Hi there. Welcome to the seventh episode of the PSPA podcast, which is kindly brought to you by Pavers Foundation in memory of Mary Yule. I'm Liz Sturgis, a PSPA helpline care navigator, and today we're talking about house adaptations. Occupational therapist Julie Cummins joins us today to help us navigate the starting points and key recommendations using her experience in healthcare and also of assisting her dad who had PSP. Hi Julie and thank you for joining us. So to begin with would you like to share a bit about yourself, your experience of PSP and also your life as an OT? Sure, hi how are you? Um, I suppose it's my dad being diagnosed with PSP kind of uh, inter, it, it, it happened kind of the same time as I was training to be an OT, uh, to be an OT as well. So um, I was very much in the learning stages of my, my career, but yeah. found it extremely helpful as well. My dad um, was diagnosed back in, I think it was 2000, 2008, um and we had a we had quite a lengthy process really we we've we had a lot of misdiagnosis yeah. prior to that which i think seems to be quite a common thing with with psp um and and cbd as well because it's it's it also it often gets mistaken i think for alzheimer's or parkinson's and we got we kind of got all those those yes. um uh diagnoses but nothing really sat right with us and dad's presentation didn't really sit right with any of them. So we were yeah. very, very lucky with our GP at home in Ireland that um, he referred us to um, a fabulous uh, a neurologist up in Dublin, Mr. Timothy Lynch, who literally, I think within our, our first visit with him, he diagnosed dad. So it, it made things an awful lot easier yes. knowing kind of what route we were going to be taking then and the support then from from. The, that neuro team who linked us in with with the PSPA so, uh, team as well um, and back then we were very lucky to have to be able to go to the meetings kind of rather than having them online yes. <laughs> um, uh, so we used to we used to travel to to Dublin to the meetings and they were so they were so helpful they were tough they could, they could be tough mm. at times um, but it was just really nice to be able to, to chat to other people, other family members, other people at PSP, um, and just kind of share, share a bit of information and knowledge and what's helped you, what's not, what not to do, that sort of thing. Yes, yeah. Um, so I qualified back in 2012. So it's been nearly nearly 10 years yeah, <laughs> as an OT. Um, so I was I was obviously trying like doing all my, my OT bits with my dad uh, while I was at home, um, and then I moved to moved over to to the UK. I trained in the UK and I moved over to the UK to work, um, and I initially started out in the NHS, so working within the community. Um, I worked with the community rehab team, um, and we'd work into various hubs um, uh, in um, bed based rehab. Um, so we covered an awful lot of a big area and a, a big variety of, of conditions and um, all sorts of stuff. So I've worked in the community, I've worked in the acute system, worked in mental health, and I transitioned to um, the council, like social, social services, social care, yes. um, two years ago. 
two years ago now, but we, we very much work together as NHS OTs and social care OTs. We always linked in because you have when you're looking for at major adaptations, you have to link in with your with your 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 local council, um, yes. and the, the the social social care uh, OTs there. So we did work very well together, um, and then I transitioned over, and I love it. It's 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 a it's a job that has it's, it's, it's no two days are the same. It's it's got so much variety in it, and sometimes it definitely challenges your brain. Yes. <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, your your experience of getting, your dad getting a diagnosis, lots of people listening to this will identify with. And yeah. we, we did do a podcast on that earlier on, um, the difficulty of getting the diagnosis. And and your work experience is amazing um, and, and so relevant to, to what we're talking about today. So thank you. Thank you for that background and thank you okay. for, for doing the podcast. Um, so I, I suppose as, as PSP and CBD progress, uh, it can be common for people to need to think about adapting their home. You've mentioned that you're working in that area um, and they do it to make it easier to complete everyday tasks um, and to manage their changing needs. What would you say would be a good starting point for anyone approaching this stage of thinking about adaptations? Yeah, I think I think if you're thinking about them, you need to act on them. Yeah, pretty, pretty quickly. Um, it can be something that's hard to navigate on your own. So I would say um, if you if you are involved with with a, uh, sometimes sometimes people are involved with a neuro team or maybe just in, in general with their 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 GP or they have like a, a community matron maybe allocated to them. But what I would say is talk to those people and um, get yourself referred over to um, physio and OT. Um, yeah mainly OT. <laughs> of course. So we work we work really well with our physio colleagues and they are they are they are so important in in being able to support uh, and uh, provide things like walking aids for people with PSP and CBD as well. But I would say um, even with even if you're looking at minor adaptations like when I say minor adaptations I mean like grab rails on walls and stuff like yes. that. I think it's very important to get to get an OT involved um because there's 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 so much out there um and kind of we think about we think about kind of future proofing we want to future proof mm -hmm. your house and keep you safe and keep you at home for as long yes. as possible or forevermore do you know it's 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 everyone's journey is quite different on on uh, when when you've got a diagnosis of PSP or CBD um so I would say get involved, get, get a, a referral to your, your either community OT, which community OTs who are based kind of with the NHS can do um, your minor works. So they can put like extra steps in that sort of thing. But if we're looking at major works like um, a, a toilet downstairs or a wet room downstairs or an extension to the rear of the property, side of the property or conversion, anything like that, you need to get um, you need to contact your local authority as soon as possible because right. it can be a lengthy process. But also the OTs in that area can come and do an assessment and might be able to put things in place in the interim while you kind of go through the process. So when I when I talk about that process, it's it's about um, the government provide uh, or offer a grant called the Disabled Facilities Grant 
you have to you you have to apply for that through your local authority. Yeah. Um, it it varies between people in the, people in their own privately privately uh, purchased properties, their own properties. Um, you go down the route of the disabled facilities grant, which yeah. you can find you can find lots of information on the .gov website. Okay. Uh, if you just Google even DFG, it'll yeah. take you to, to the disabled facilities grant. It'll give you the background. Um, but your local council is so important and getting a referral to your OT in that in, in, in your local authority um, so that we know kind of what route we need to go down, whether it's you're the you're a private homeowner or a local authority uh, renter or um, you've got a private landlord, there's there's different routes that we need to go down. Yeah. but they can take a little bit of time. So it's really important to get your OT involved ASAP. Brilliant. Um, and many people will already be linked into social services, but how would somebody link in initially? Is that through your GP or can you do it yourself? You can do it yourself. You can yeah. do it yourself. Um, GPs can can refer over absolutely, but you can if you go if you go on to the the www.gov.uk website, um, I think it brings you to a little a little location page where you can type in your postcode. It'll tell you what local authority you're under, and it should take you to the page then where it it'll guide you through what you need to do next. So for where, for where I work, for instance, it says you can self-refer. Right. Um, so you just fill in a, 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 um, a form online and you kind of give details. So my name's Julie. Um, I've, I've got a diagnosis of PSP. I'm struggling with um, getting up the step into my house or... I'm really struggling to have a have a wash now because I've got a shower over the bath and I and I I can't I find it hard to get to step in over the bath. Um so it's it's important that we kind of get that little bit of information. Um and they get they get screened then and put onto different different lists um, and they'll come through to us and then we get allocated and we can come out and come out and see you and have a chat. Wonderful. So it's a fairly straightforward process to get in touch with. It is a straightforward yeah. process, absolutely. But I, I would just, just get it done. Get it yeah. done as soon as. <laughs> <laughs> so once you've got past that stage, what, what would you say would be the top tips for adapting a home for someone who's living with PSP and CBD? Maybe early stages and maybe then, as you said, future proofing. Yeah, I think from from kind of going through those processes myself with with my dad and my family, um, I now can see what what kind of needs to be done. But it's it's hard when you're in that position right now, um, because sometimes you don't want to think about the kind of the, the, the big changes that you might have to make. Yeah. Yes. Um, but simple things like I mean, things like the stairs, the stairs will probably become an issue. Um, if someone's in a, in a house, if you're in a bungalow, fab. Yes. <laughs> but bungalows have their have their their pitfalls as well. But I would say um, having things kind of on the level, good lighting, nice spaces, um, 
uh, no rugs, no carpets. They're my, they're, they're an OT's worst nightmare. Yes. <laughs> no, no rugs or, or mats, sorry, not carpets. Um, but yeah, just to kind of take them out of the way to make, to, to, to make it a, a, just kind of a clear space, clear run. Um, things like what, what a, a, an OT could do is like raise your, raise your, your armchair for you to, that's a very sim simple thing to be able to help you get on and off your armchair safely and easily. Uh, same with a bed and same with a the toilet. They're all little pieces of things that we can put in place that might make things a little bit easier in, in, in the short term and the long term. Yes. Like I say, everyone's different. But I think sometimes people find it difficult when there's like stairs involved and maybe there's not enough space downstairs to, to have a bed or families don't want to be separated. You don't want to be separated from your mm. partner. And you don't want your 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 husband or your wife sleeping downstairs while you're upstairs and you're worried about them and all that sort of thing. So that's why it's quite important to think about that those kind of longer term, longer yes. term needs. Yeah, it was just about giving yourself space, giving yourself time. Don't rush with things. Um, I think with with things like with the, the eyesight, especially, um, that can be quite difficult because you just that's when you need your space and even having like I know at home in my house uh, or my parents house we had a rail put all the way down along the hallway so that my dad could, had that as a guide to walk down yes. and hold on to himself so um just things like that they they can be very simple but people you just you don't think about the it, it, that to me is simple because it's my job yes but you don't think about those things when maybe you're worried or you're stressed or you're, or you're struggling and you, you just think, what am I going to do here? Mm. So, but yeah. And it, it, if, if things like, if there's things like your toilet is upstairs only and you've no toilet downstairs, come down once in the day and maybe get your OT to get you a commode or a, a male urinal or whatever, have that downstairs, you're down for the day. And then you've only got to do the stairs once again in the evening. Yes. Just so, so it's just about kind of pacing yourself and 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 giving yourself time to to do things. Yeah. Uh, really, really good tips there. And uh, what's the the opposite side of that? What would be the pitfalls of sort of making adaptations yourself or going it alone, sort of thing? Um, yeah. It. <laughs> It can be hard. I have seen some when I've gone on visits where kind of people felt like they, they, they needed to get something in pretty quickly because, yes, they're struggling. So they, they're trying to get something sorted. So uh, maybe things like your access. Um, threshers on doors are a bit of a nightmare because they're they're especially on UPVC doors. They, they can be a bit of a nightmare. So people we might need to build up a step so that people can step out over over that thresher a bit more easier mm. easily without having to do a step down so we might bring the step up but we'd also include in the size of it um the the, the size of it to accommodate uh, a walking aid like a zimmer frame or a four-wheeled walker or whatever yes so people sometimes do make things smaller thinking this will this will get us through whereas we we might make things just a little bit bigger just to accommodate like a walking mm. aid or people will put in things like ramps when um that can be that can be quite a, di a difficult one as well because you obviously have to look at different gradients, the space, turning spaces, lots of stuff to to think about. Um, 
And also when someone's mobile, when they're still mobile and we want to keep them as mobile as possible. Of course. Yes. Ramps can be quite difficult to, 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 to navigate um, yes. just because that great. And also we've, we know from here, from the, the, the from that, um, what am I trying to say? Part of the condition, um, falling backwards, kind of staggering sideways. That can be quite difficult as well to when if you're on a if you're on a gradient of a of a of a ramp. So having little steps is probably sometimes easier. It, it's just it's just little things like that that we just want to make sure people are safe and managing those things safely. Brilliant, thank you. Okay, so you you mentioned stairs in. Um, the difficulty with getting up and down stairs for, for the, the toilet. We get a lot of inquiries on the helpline about the suitability of stair lifts. Yeah. Um, from the occupational therapist point of view, what would be your um, things to consider about putting in a stair lift? Yeah, stair lifts can be, can be a very tricky one. And that's when I think you do need the advice of an OT. Um, it's, it's, like I said, kind of earlier on, we, we try to future-proof someone's home. Mm -hmm. um, I've come across where people have, have, have been struggling and absolutely they've, they've been trying to do their best. So maybe they've, on a, on a curved stair, stairs, they've, put a, they've maybe put a straight, a straight lift because they've only got two steps to navigate at the bottom. Or yes. maybe they've got three to, to, to try and uh, get up at the top so they can manage that. And it's a, a cheaper, quicker option, you know. It's not, it's not the ideal option, to be honest. Um, everyone, uh, obviously we, we assess everyone on, on an individual basis, but with the condition of PSP or CBD, it's, it's, we, it, it's, sterilists are not always the solution. They're really not. Um, they may meet the need right now, this moment in time, but as, as PSP progresses um, and things like transferring off a chair or that that sit to stand becomes a bit more difficult yeah but then it's harder to get on and off your stair lift at the top and the bottom if you've got to try and negotiate those few steps it becomes really difficult also I think what we found with with my dad as well sometimes he became very impulsive with with some things yes. um and he would just kind of stand and it's like where are you going dad and he's like well I just need to go and do such and such um but he'd be off off like a shot yes <laughs> um and it's it's kind of that that not realizing that risk that's involved mm. or, or they don't kind of see that risk so it's just trying to to manage that there's alternatives to something like a stair lift um like and depending and this depends on on why it's important to get an OT involved because it depends on the individual, their life, their household, who lives there, how many rooms are in the property, that sort of thing. But there are things like through floor lifts, which are so much safer, yes. where you can. Um, and people think, oh, my gosh, a through floor lift, I'm going to have a big, huge hole in my ceiling. But realistically, once you're in the living room, say downstairs, you don't see that lift because you send it back upstairs and everything's right. all kind yeah. of closed off again. Um, so it, that's a, that's a, another solution to a stair lift and it's safer because you're you're contained in a lift um, someone you can you can use it independently or someone can be in there with you so you can use it as as a 
as a person who can walk in, sit down on the little chair in there, or you can use it as, for, with a wheelchair. So right. you can either self-propel in or someone can push you in and come up the go up the, the into the room with you upstairs. So there's 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 lots of different things like with with that. Someone might have a have a wet room upstairs, um, but they just they're struggling on that stairs. Yes. So they and their toilets upstairs and everything. So a through floor lift might meet their needs. Um, but it's just it's just looking at that space and, and everything there. Um, stair lifts, they are fabulous, but um, they, they can be they can be very tricky. They can be tricky as well. And you have to it's it's making sure that if you if you do uh, think about going down that route, that you get a, a good company in reputable as an OT, I would do a full risk assessment around mm. the use of of a stair lift the conditions that like I, I, I know about the condition PSB so I know kind of what to expect from people um so yeah I would I would definitely definitely have a chat to your OT about that one yeah <laughs> thank you Julia that was very comprehensive and, and helpful um and interesting to hear about the the through floor lift which mm-hmm. I think is you know something that people don't think about having or yeah. assume they haven't got room for yeah um you, you talked earlier about um the dis- disabled facilities grant was that what it was called yeah um, yep is there any other funding because some of this sounds really expensive would it would it be covered by by that grant or is there other funding that people can apply for so with that grant that the the, the that government initiative the dfg the disabled facilities grant that that is a grant that um, people can access. It's up to £30,000. Okay. So while it is a big grant, if someone needs to have something like a, a, an extension to the property, that's, that's going to exceed that, that, yes. that, uh, that amount. Um, so generally what, what people, what they do is that your, your finances are taken into account when, when, uh, people are looking at the, the disabled facilities grant um, and they look at uh, your pension or your or your work pension or your salary depending on what stage you are in your life as well mm. um, so it, it kind of does go off it go off all of that um, generally there's three three kind of outcomes to it one the first outcome is you meet the criteria and um, for something up to thirty thousand pounds that that grant will cover will cover everything um so that things like stair lifts through mm. floor lifts they would generally be under they will be under that 30,000 yeah um things like extensions and and to like to have a wet a, a wet room and a bedroom or something like that or, or that sort of thing and um, like that they will generally exceed the 30,000 um so people what they they did they ask is for for uh, the people, the family, or whoever, to contribute the right. Five, say if it's thirty-five thousand pounds, you'd contribute the five thousand over. Okay. It's a little bit. It's a little bit complex, but that's that's the the it's the it's important to get your your OT involved and your they they will liaise with your the major adaptations teams then, who would do all those assessments with you, um, and you may feel like you're repeating yourself and going through everything over and over again what it is for is for the greater good yes <laughs> um, so like i said there's there's 
the first outcome is yes, you meet the criteria. Second outcome is that you might have to contribute um, a certain amount. Third outcome is you don't meet the criteria and that then you would be a self-funder. So you would you would have to do the works yourself. Right. But within the council that I work with, they we can we can advise on architects that you can access, um, building contractors. We can give advice of what what you should what you should be looking for. Yeah. Um, so it's you're not kind of you're not left struggling and wondering um, because I think it's very it's and I'm I, it's I'm hoping that people are listening to this and not worrying and stressing and thinking, oh, my gosh, is this what we're going to have to do? Because it might not necessarily be what you what you have to do. Um, so it might be that as an OT comes in, we can do something that'll that'll support you just as well. Um, and we can take our time getting to that major's yes. uh, point then as well. So the message is whether you think you might might qualify for this grant or whether you know full well that because of savings and pensions and whatever yep. that you will be self-funding, the, the message is still contact, Do it. contact your OT. Yeah, 100%. In all circumstances, contact your OT. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely. And I think people, I, I mean, I've, I've worked with a lot of people and, and it can be tough because... Um, people people save their money to to give to family members or do you know that they want to leave something to someone um and then that's that's where that money ends up kind of having to be used on 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 something like an extension which is which is fine you've saved up that money mm. um but i know some people just want to leave a little bit of a legacy or whatever to, to family members or grandchildren or whatever um, so it does depend. It, uh, unfortunately, it is it is a financial assessment. Yes. But yeah. these are the, the routes we have to go at what uh, the government says. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, on the other end of the scale, um, the PSP Association offers support grants uh, for up to £250 to help people access equipment or services. Um, it feels a bit like a drop in the ocean after what we've been discussing, but what, <laughs> would you, what would you suggest people might consider using, you know, applying for that for? I think, I think it's absolutely amazing. I think it's fab that, that the PSPA can, can offer this grant as well. It's so good for, for people to be able to tap into because I'm very lucky in the authority and the, the, the borough that I work in, um, we can access things like the, the smaller adapts, the smaller things that you would, you would, we, I kind of, I suppose I maybe nearly take for granted because I, I can get them for people. Mm. Um, so things like, um, what I would say is like, have a chat to, to you guys, the PSPA, see about accessing that grant and having a look at things like your seating, uh, your toileting, and getting in and out of bed because sometimes in some some boroughs or some, some councils or some nhs um teams they don't provide those smaller adaptations you have to purchase them they can recommend but you'd have to purchase yourself yeah. so you're going to go to somewhere like able world or miller care or any of those kind of um um mobility type uh, shops yes um so i would say look at things like and sometimes they can come and do an assessment with you they can come and have a look at your property and have a look and say right okay well we might need something like a raised toilet seat um 
fitting on the top of your toilet just to help you get on and off that toilet a little bit easier because generally our toilets are about 16 inches high and that could be that's 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 hard when you're trying to push up for a tall yeah. gentleman or a tall lady trying to push up from there so having a, like a, a, a raised toilet seat so that could be you can get things like that so raised toilet seats um razors for beds levers for the side of your bed things like even adapted cutlery so I know my dad found it difficult because everything kind of slowed down with his movement and his kind of fine motor skills so holding a knife and fork was was became kind of difficult so we just got adapted cutlery that was a, a, a bigger handle maybe a little bit weightier so that he, he could feel it a bit better in his hands and you can bend the bend the, the fork or the spoon to, to, to angle it so you're not kind of having to do a big scoop. Things yes. like that. Um, uh, or your um, the plate, stuff like that with, with curved sides so that you can you can kind of scoop. Um, what else was there would be? I, things like, yeah, commodes. Mm. If you're generally your, your, your OT will be able to get you a, a commode and stuff like that. But um, I would say things like the, the raised toilet seats or things like long handled sponges yeah. or a shower chair, that sort of thing that you can you can still be independent and do as much as, as possible yourself without having all that being taken away from you. Like something as simple as a long handled sponge yes. <laughs> can help. <laughs> so I would say those those kind of those smaller, smaller aids, smaller bits and pieces. Um, I would just say, just be careful if you are fitting things like like um, chair razors and, and bed razors. Um, all points of contact need to be raised. Um, but I would hope that any OT involved would be able to, to support with them. But if not, I would access the, the grant for, for that. Things like maybe a riser recliner chair, because a lot of authorities or a lot of uh, equipment stores won't provide riser recliner chairs unless it's for something like um for functional movement or for more supportive um supportive system to keep someone in a, in a position that maybe have uh, con uh, contractures or something like that so i would say a riser recliner chair which 250 pounds is going to be a good chunk off of off of yes. a price like that and that will make a big that can make a big difference in someone's life being able to be comfortable when they're sitting being able to recline back, give those legs a rest. Because I know my dad found his legs very, very fidgety as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it, that that was a that was a good one as well. So there's gosh, there's I, there's so much stuff that that we could yes. we could get. <laughs> but yeah, just look at your daily life and what your kind of what you the struggles might be or what you want to be able to do a little bit better. Yes, and if and have a look in through things like kettle tippers, they're yes. fab. They're fab. Yeah. They're great. They're, they've got new ones now that are, are like a full kind of unit. They're not like our old ones where it was like a weird frame yeah. um, where the actual whole kettle tips. And it's just it's literally just by, by pushing, pushing the handle and it makes life an awful lot easier. Things like that and, and kitchen trolleys, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yes. That's great. Thank you. Loads of ideas there. Um, if anybody wants to know more about the support grant, it's the information is available on the PSP Association website. Um, and just to, to note that all support grants have to be accompanied by a health and social care professional referral. So um, but all the information is available on, on the website.
okay so we, we've talked about lots of little bits and pieces and we've talked about the really big things if you're waiting for a really big major adaptation to be done um what quick wins would help people while they're waiting because obviously you know if you're having an extension done or a wet room done they don't happen overnight do they the planning no. and, and whatever takes time I mean, in your experience what is the time frame but what and what can you do in the meantime to yeah support yourselves um I think this is this is the part of my job which, that I find difficult because I I kind of I can see and I know what what we will need kind of in the future um but it is literally it's, it's that process once we if I if I've sent off all the documentation everything gets approved we all know that planning permission architect drawings um surveys all of those things take time so yeah I would say at a rough a, a rough estimate it uh, kind of going by what I what I work with as well it, it would takes up to a year nine mm. months to a year and it, mm. so that's why I would say please get in contact with your OT as soon as possible especially with your local authority if if you're kind of but I would also say please don't panic because if your OT is involved, we can look at, at alternatives. Um, and it may be, and I, some people just don't like to do it. It might be converting a, a, another room downstairs into a bedroom temporarily, um, just for safety so that we eliminate stairs out of the way. And we can put things like assistive technology in that if you've only got space for one bed downstairs, we can put assistive technology in that we, um, we can put like a carer alert that will alert someone upstairs um, if someone downstairs needs to get out and go to the loo or that sort of thing so that they're not yeah. totally on their own. They don't feel like they're isolated. Um, that's kind of the, those sort of things. It's, it's trying to, to, to remove those, those obstacles and keep someone as safe as possible. Because like I said, it does, it, 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 it is difficult when you're waiting. And then it's difficult as well when the when when groundwork starts because you've got you've got a builders coming in. Yes. <laughs> so what some people do, um, what what people have done through, uh, in my area is they've um, if people are kind of on their own, maybe living on their own, they've maybe gone into respite for a period of time just to to be out of the way so that they don't have to even worry about that that building that's going on or whatever, or they may go and stay with a family member. So we could help set up with, with equipment yes. in someone else's house. Um, things like not being able to access a bath or a shower. Um, it's things like strip washing is, is what, we, what we, would, would, we would advise. Um, what if a family member has a nice walk-in shower? Maybe you could go for a visit. Yes. <laughs> and have, have a little shower over there or whatever. You know, it's, it's just kind of thinking about those sort of things. Um, like I said, with the bigger adaptations, it can be a little bit more trickier um, because we can't get them done. We can't get them. They're not a quick fix. We can't get them done straight away. No. Um, so, but it is trying to minimise that risk and and keeping things on the level as much as we can, um, and keeping people safe. Mm. I don't know if that really answered that question, to be honest, did it? I think so. I think so. And I, I just wondered while you were talking, it just crossed my mind that maybe there are sometimes people whose living environment just cannot be adapted. Do you ever yeah. come across that? And, and what, what happens in those yeah. circumstances? That, that happens 
uh, more often than you, you'd think really as well. Mm. Um, maybe that someone's on a corner plot and, and there's, there's not that space at the back of the house mm. um, or there's a landlord that's just not, doesn't want to, to, to um, go down that route of adapting their property. Um, we work alongside our housing options team. So it's the housing team within our borough. And um, if, if adaptations can't be done, and someone is willing and, and wants to consider moving, we can look at that option as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a different process where people, if you're a private homeowner, um, you, you would be, you're, you're the one that has to kind of organize that sale of your property, but the council can be there to support with looking for, for a bungalow or an adapted house already. Right. Um, that might be in our, our, our housing pool or whatever. Um, so there's, it's not kind of the end of the road. If, if something can't be adapted, we will look at, we will try and look at alternatives or if there's even something like, um, you can get things like, like wash pods and stuff like that, yes. that we can be put in into a property. So it's not a permanent fixture. It does have to be plumbed in and everything, but it just means that, you've got that you've got your dignity there and you know you can have a shower you can have a wash you can ha- go to the toilet um so it, it does become a little bit trickier when an adaptation can't be done in a property we just have to start thinking a little bit more laterally then yes. and see where we go but it's not it's not the end of the world we can we can try and look at alternatives mm. that's really helpful and I think sometimes people assume that because they can't manage at home because of the stairs or something that they will have to go into a care home. But obviously that's not always the case, is it? Sometimes no, it will be. But, yeah. yeah. And I think everyone is very different. And I think I, we were very lucky in, in being able to, to keep my dad at home. He, he, he was, he was, he was just so laid back. He was practically horizontal anyway. <laughs> um, but he, we did discuss it. Um, and none of us could kind of come to that 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 decision. We discussed it with him, and he, he we we dad stayed at home with us, um, and it was we just kind of adapted the the environment around him as best we could. Mm-hmm. Um, as an occupational therapist, our aim is always to to try and keep someone as independent as possible. Um, and if someone wants to remain in their home, that's their choice. And we always go with, with person's choice. Obviously, if we feel there's a risk there, we, we'll, we'll tell you and we'll have those chats. We'll be open and honest about these things. That there's, there's no point in kind of um, hiding behind things and not, not saying it. Uh, but if, if someone's really at risk, we would, we would definitely say it. But our, our aim is to try and keep families together, keep relatives together, um, if someone wants to stay in their own home, we do try and and uh, accommodate that and work around that. But like you said, sometimes it becomes very difficult. It does. It becomes really hard. Um, and on that note, I would say, if 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 you're a family member and you're you're supporting someone with PSP or CBD, I would say have a chat to your your OT as well, who can link in with your your social care team. So like with your with a social worker or a, 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 a social care officer who can come out and do an assessment and see if any sort of formal care support can be put in place. 
Yes. And that might be something like a person coming in once a week to help you have a wash, mm. you know, and it just takes that little bit of just a little bit of, of pressure off someone else. Um, or you may need some people need that that care more often. It might be twice a day. Um, it might be twice a week. It just depends on the individual. But I would say. Don't shy away from from asking people for help because it's so important that you spend time with with your loved ones as your husband, your wife, your your son, your daughter. Um, but obviously you're doing the carer, carer thing as well. But it's so important to still be that that yes. family unit as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for sharing your personal experience and your professional um, expertise um, I'm sure our listeners will have a better sense of what home adaptations can involve and how to start the ball rolling really with them um, so thank you again for, for coming uh, you can read more about home adaptations in the latest edition of PSPA Matters where Julie shares some great tips for how OTs can help and John Forth shares his experience of adapting his home with his wife Benita as always, if you'd like to chat about adapting your home or any other aspect of PSP or CBD, please contact the helpline on 0300 or email helpline at pspassociation.org.uk. Thank you. Mm-hmm.